0: Welcome to Run Your Mouth. I'm your host, David Melley. We're back, uh, our audio problems are fixed, and we have a great episode for you. Our guest this week is Joe McConaughey. Joe is a star miler for Boston College and then took the somewhat unorthodox turn of running ultras and trail runs right after graduating, including setting records on both the Pacific Crest and Appalachian Trails, averaging nearly 50 miles a day for two months at a time which is crazy. Uh, (laughs) Joe is a super funny, smart, engaging guy, and I personally learned a lot about ultra running on this episode, and I bet you will too. Plus, we get into some seriously heady stuff, talking about the mental impact of those long solo runs. This was definitely one of those we get deep episodes, but there's a good old dose of silliness and fun along the way as well. We're trying to get back on a normal schedule this fall. There will be another episode out next week, but make sure you subscribe and follow us on social media so you don't miss out on all that good stuff. Hope you enjoy this episode, and until next time, I've been David Melly, and this is Run Your Mouth. Here. Pop! Have fun with friends.
1: Boom! Pops in my heart.
0: Are you gonna eat those JoJo's? What is that? You could eat those JoJo's. I could. I don't wanna steal the JoJo's. Yeah, I don't know. I've never had JoJo's. I don't know. Are they literally just the same exact thing as
1: uh, Oreos? Yeah, but they're pumpkin. These ones are pumpkin flavored. Oh. So I'm not sure. I don't know,
0: I guess it's probably like all other pumpkin flavors where it's literally just cinnamon and not actually pumpkin flavor, because I think Oreos that tasted like squash would like literally be disgusting. It would be terrible. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome to Run Your Mouth, Long Run Talk with long-talking runners. I'm your host, David Melly, um, and I'm here, I think this is the first episode I've ever truly done without a co-host. We're flying, we're down to two. But my guest this week is uh, a good friend, ultra runner extraordinaire, Joe McConaughey. How are you? Cheers. Cheers. We're drinking beers. Yeah, we are. we are of the legal age to do that. <laughs> and it's good hydration. It's good hydration. Good hydration, good recovery. It's carbs. <laughs> it's, there's like a, you know, there's science to that. Definitely That's science a, it's a recovery drink. It. It's yeah, like if uh, Ellie can finish the Berlin Marathon and get a big old like mug of beer <laughs> they do that have you seen those pictures? No, I <laughs> not. they give the Berlin Marathoners like literal like steins of are beer are you serious? Yeah. and like of course like when it's like kipchoge you're like is this like maybe the first beer he's ever had oh. or yeah like, he's like oh my or god one berlin a bunch of other times so <laughs> it's like what the third beer. that's like um,
1: my fiance katie did the um flying pig marathon mm-hmm. and like two-thirds through the race some locals had made their own like aid station mm-hmm. they literally had bacon and beer <laughs> i can't all.
0: think of any two things i want to drink consume less during a marathon. <laughs> At like
1: mile twenty two, you're like hitting the wall and you're like, I need anything. Is
0: it bacon because it's a flying pig exactly, marathon? Exactly. That's yeah. funny.
1: <laughs> where is where is that? It's in Cincinnati. Yeah. It's like well, the big Cincinnati marathon. Why is it called the flying pig marathon? They I have no idea. They used to like Cincinnati is a perennial like pork industry town. So they they I guess call it like, the flying pig. Like bacon pigs. like pigs,
0: there you go. Yeah. I mean people <laughs> All right. Well, welcome. Thank. We've been trying to set this up for like literally two we months. We did it. We You're finally see it. <laughs> finally did it. Locked you in the room here. In been too much
1: too much racing.
0: Too much racing. That's a good problem to have. Too much traveling. You've been doing some like unracing related
1: travel. I too? have. I haven't had a weekend in Boston, which is where, where we live, in uh, since I think May. I, so literally every weekend I've been either in New Hampshire hiking or at a race or traveling or doing something, weddings, all that kind of stuff. Jeez. Yeah. And that was, you're, you're sometimes like trying for work, right? And then sometimes just for fun, exactly. doing life. <laughs> I work for like an educational travel company called EF. And um, so, yeah, a big part of my job is traveling. I did an Italy and Greece trip this summer. Um, and then extend it a little bit to run and do a fifty k over in Sicily, which is pretty sick. So, I uh, I'm able to pair that up and kind of like feed the expensive, yeah, the expensive <laughs> habit of destination races. <laughs> um,
0: well, before we get into travel, is is going to be a recurring theme on uh, this episode. But before we get to that, uh, I really... so. Walk me a little bit through, like, the origin, the Joe McConaughey origin story. <laughs> the origin story. Because I feel like people... Because I've known you since we were in school running against each other. Joe ran for track for BC. Um, I've trained a lot with the Boston College guys in the summers. A lot of miles together. But Joe was a miler at the time. And I feel like now you are, you're quasi-famous <laughs> in the ultra-running community. And I, I would hazard a guess that, A... A lot of people who listen to Run Your Mouth are not familiar with ultra running. And B, a lot of people who know you as string bean do not know anything about your <laughs> like running background prior to doing ultras. So. It all
1: started as dusting David Milley as a junior in college on our summer run. <laughs> That's what it all started with. You're like, I well, I didn't even want to be a runner, and then I met this kid and Ugh. his Well so cool one of the coolest things to think is that we had like the Boston College running community and then people that were connected whether through college or high school and then having so many of those individuals now be in Boston running Tracksmith or Heartbreak or running semi-competitively uh, and still continuing running, which is really cool. Yeah. Um the origin story for me, the the brief 101 I from like way before going well, way back. So I started running when I was in like fourth or fifth grade. I, like, got my identity through running. I was going to be on the Seattle Supersonics, which is where I grew up. You know, I was going to be, like, drain in threes, like, Detlef Shrimp. And then, of course, I sucked at basketball, but I ended up being pretty good at running. So I followed that through high school. I followed that through college. I ended up coming to BC to run uh, under Kerr, Matt Kerr. Um, Was really excited, came in thinking I was going to be, you know, within the first few raises, like, the number one or number two or number three guy. Um, thought I'd kill cross, you know, kill track, um, especially with a college coach. And ended up getting anemia, ended up getting mono. The first two years, I just did not adjust to our high high, uh, high intensity, low mileage structure. And I just got wrecked. So my first two years were sort of a wash. Mono um, squad, that's the sophomore year I, <laughs> mono. I think it's a, a rite of passage for all college trackers. Oh, yeah. I've so, been there and done that. That happened to me. So um, junior year, I came in. And I really, you know, with, with have being anemic, I don't think I really excelled. It was like just too far for me to even do decent, like half decent in cross country. So I just get my ass kicked in cross country and, um, there are some rough races, (laughs) but then coming into track, I always look forward and the mile was my thing. Mile was my jam. So I ran, I don't know, a lot of miles in college, a lot of mile races, indoor miles in 1500s. And that was really my focus. After that, I had this idea, my cousin had passed away from neuroblastoma, and I wanted to do something that kind of honored him, but also honored, not honored, but also really went back to my roots and what I, what I know and what I love, which that was being a Boy Scout growing up in Seattle, and also running, so I decided, hey, why don't I combine running, why don't I combine hiking, and why don't I try to hike part of the Pacific Crest Trail After a quick Google search of running the Pacific Crest Trail, I came across this guy called Sam Fox, who was a high jumper, I believe at Yale, and he tried to run it. Didn't break the record, but I connected with him. He got me hooked on the idea of running the Pacific Crest Trail. Keep in mind, I would never ran any race or any run over like 22 miles was my longest run and I had the great idea of, like, trying to average 44 miles a day on the Pacific Crest Trail um, about a month and a half after college. So I'd, like, really have no you idea what like was getting senior slump, it. like, people get lazy, <laughs> you know. It's a good way to retire, right? It's just really up the uh, the mileage running overall. So, yeah, I didn't think I was, like, I didn't think I was going to do more running after that. I was like, this is, like, a pinnacle kind of kind of life-changing, life-defining event that I did and graduated. I was in the best shape of my life coming off of senior year track and was like, let's put that to use. Ended up running the PCT, ended up doing 48 miles a day, 2,660 miles. I think there's like 400,000 feet of elevation gain. You know, it's all through mountains, deserts, forests, um, which was kick-ass and a lot of fun. (laughs) I will say, so there's a... You know we can do the plug section.
0: There's a dope ass <laughs> documentary called uh, "Is It Called Run for Column?" Called yeah. "Run for Column" on YouTube. So um, it's on YouTube. It's like half an hour ish. Mm-hmm. I've seen it multiple times, and it's like a really hell inspiring every time. <laughs> so um, people should definitely check that out. um I remember I like that bet. whole summer. Like that was the summer before my senior year, and like. There were so many times, like... Because we get, like, the updates, I think, on Twitter, mostly, yeah. yeah. Twitter on, and like, Facebook. What maybe. you were doing, and, like, I'd be like, oh, I don't want to double today. And then I'd be like, Joe ran 45 miles today. I can run
1: another five. like And you did. And you are <laughs> so Some going. days I did. We'll some say. days you... At least you got guilt-tripped for it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but so, like, to, like... Ha- did you at all, like... You, you couldn't really, tra- you can't really train no, like that. No, I couldn't, yeah. So, and to, like, prepare, I guess? Like, do you just, like, start doing, lo- like, long and
1: long runs, or, like? It was psycho. It was, I, like, I, it, it was pretty dumb in general. But when you're, like, 22 and have this big vision, like, you can do anything. So, I, going into it, I sat down with my coach, and I was like, Coach, I want to kick ass in my last year of track, and I want to do super well. Also, I needed to do this you know forty or fifty plus mile or day long adventure running a lot of miles over mountains, and I needed to be prepared for that like where what where's the middle ground where I can get better at running and prepare myself for the p c t and still do well at track and pretty much what we landed on was just changing my lifting routine, which wasn't that drastic, but I started really focusing on lifting and leg and kind of like working on supplementing my my joints and kind of like high, high rep, low weight stuff for, you know, hips, um, for hamstrings, for quad, for calves, um, to help support those kind of surrounding muscles that then, you know, at least allow you to be a little bit better, uh, and a little more efficient and strong and put a little less, uh, stress on your joints, which is, you know, a huge, a huge, there's a lot of impact when you think about running for 13 to 15 hours a day um in this kind of stuff so it also like
0: it just looks super different in terms of like how like wait not that it's like not like it's obviously way more impressive than like running one (laughs) mile but like uh like it it almost doesn't look like running to watch like that kind of running like the hike kind of hiking pace like at literally hours and hours and hours of running so like did you have to like teach yourself how to do
1: that be like I'm gonna learn how to run at 10 minute pace like one of the dumbest quotes in the documentary that I'm looking back on now I'm like I wish I I could have asked them to take that out but it's out there was I have this quote where I'm like you know it's before I leave and I'm like talking about my strategy and I'm like you know I do eight miles a day six minute mile pace that's our standard like easy run at Boston College getting on the mountains you know if I put in you know, nine minute, let's say I do nine minute miles, something slow, like nine or 10 minute miles. And I hold that, that's going to be, you know, eight, nine hours of running each day. And I think that's like pretty reasonable. And it's like so dumb. I just was way too naive, but I went in and my average mile pace was like 13 to 15 minute miles. Mm -hmm. And even it's weird. I remember there's a downhill section. I mean, it's all, it's a lot, it's technical single track, um, for the whole time but I remember there was a downhill section I think it was the fastest average pace I sustained it was like five minute five miles of like slowly slow downgrade I cruised through because I just wanted to see what I could do I was maybe 30 days into the Pacific Crest Trail and I was like I still got speed I like, mean <laughs> I've, I've been averaging four miles an hour I still got speed and I ran what I felt was very fast and I think I averaged like seven thirty eight minute mile pace <laughs> and that kind of hit me in the head, just being like, yeah, that, this, is, this is why you go so slow. Yeah. Even on I the just, easy parts, you're going, you know, when you feel like you're going fast, you're not. That just is such a, like, like so just so hard to conceptualize. It's like, actually,
0: you know what you reminded me of was, um, friend, friend of the pod, uh, previous guest, Marty Heher was on his episode and we got him recorded saying, um his wife was pregnant at the time with their first oh, kid no. and I was like oh are you nervous and he's like you can go back and literally listen to this like he was like oh you know we have a dog so like I feel like I'm pretty oh, prepared <laughs> and then I saw him like I don't even know like probably like two months after McKenna was born and he I was like so you stand by it like same as having a dog he's like dude no I have no idea <laughs> a little different <laughs> So you know, yeah.
1: breastfeeding is a little different than trying to get kibble out.
0: Yeah, well, he didn't have to do. the Yeah, I know he didn't please. have to, but <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, a youthful male hubris is uh, exactly.
1: It's good for the soul, right?
0: Or just you know deeply. Hopefully, it's not that self-destructive, but yeah, you never know.
1: <laughs> I feel like you have, you have that positivity too, though, where you're you're very optimistic goals. You hit them a lot of the time. Me? Yeah, but you go out with big goals. I guess. Like I feel like I have spent the last, like,
0: year to three years being very, like, humbled by, like, running in the post-grad world, so I feel like I, I have tried to, like, both, like, realize, like, how shitty it is to, like, set high goals and, like, not accomplish them. Yeah. And then, like, also, like, realize that, like, having, like, been through a lot, having to, like, then... Get that like swagger back, like yeah. I said. Like our friend Lewis, who you're a college teammate, my roommate, well known to the the people of Run Your Mouth. Like yeah. he has like that like ego associated with like being a successful runner that I feel like I'll try to like emulate sometimes because it makes you so successful or like you know these runners these like you know guys like Paul Chalimo or mm-hmm. like you know these like. Ca- like cocky is really like what it is like but that, at the same time it's like if it's like cocky with purpose mm-hmm. then it's like you're you're i i guess setting yourself up for success by like walking the walk talking until t- you like do it like i was my thing totally unrunning related to that, is that it's like you do like your indiana jones impression yeah <laughs> like, i literally <laughs> just picture like harrison ford like that just like easy confidence yeah like that's I feel like the a successful recipe for well like, such
1: a fine line like I think in the ultra world there's guys like Jim Walmsley but there there's some people who aren't like that but there's so many like there's there's such a common uh, such a common ground between having that like cocky edge and being like an incredibly talented runner which is a really weird thing because I would love everyone in the running world to be super humble and genuine and and kind to each other but you get a lot of people who have that like cockiness and edge and like it's a competition at the end of the day too so it's it's such a weird balance of of you know the people that are attracted and end up being truly successful a lot of times you know you need that I feel like you need that drive to really get to the top tippy top
0: yeah and like I think you need like like guys like Jim Momsley like I like I don't one of the things you have to explain to us is just like the ultra running world you know (laughs) ultra running 101 guys and girls that have this like this the cockiness the ego to them like they're they're interesting athletes to watch and follow and like you know that um even if they're like not successful it's going to be an interesting race if they're in it like that's true and like people like that you know like the Nick Simmons's of the world who are like kind of annoying sometimes, (laughs) but like at least they keep it interesting. Like the Matt Centrowitz is like, I think it's, it's interesting. I think all the time, like one of the things, one of the recurring themes uh, that we kind of talk about is like the idea of like, uh, like I jokingly say like building a brand, but like it is like constructing like the narrative around like obviously running is so like tied to like image with like Strava and Instagram and everything now. And like, it's, I think a lot about, like, professional wrestling, how, like, professional wrestling, like, I don't, I don't watch professional wrestling, but one of the things that I've read a lot about it, because it's so fascinating to me how it's very, like, the narrative of the, like, fight is, like, just as important, if not more so, than, like, the fight itself. Yeah. And, like, there's so much effort put into, like, creating, like, you know, like, heroes and heels and, like... Who is, like, fun to root for? Who's fun to root against? Like, which I think happens in, like, every sport. Like, people love having people, like, villains as much as they love having, like... Like, you know, it's, like, interesting to get heated over, like, op and Galen Ruff. <laughs> and, like, even if you don't like them, like, it's... A, it's a... It keeps the sport interesting. And, like, honestly, one of the big things about, like, why running is not as popular as it is... Yeah. Is because a lot of runners can be really boring. And, like, yeah. I think we're seeing... A change now of like especially like with more social media of like people following runners
1: more. As yeah, fans. you can have more personality too, or outward personality. Yeah. Which, yeah, but you don't have anyone. You don't have people uh, fighting as hard over runners as you do over Red Sox Yankees or something like that. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> maybe one day, maybe. man. I've my my like answer
0: always to the like, how do you like make running a spectator sport? Is that I think we need to like get way more invested in teams. Yeah. Like. Uh, yeah, as boss, as a Boston sports fan, it's, like, <laughs> I, I barely follow football, but I'm a Patriots fan. Yeah. Like, it can go both ways. Like, I think if people got way more invested in, like, and we're seeing all these, like, pro clubs cropping up to, like, if, like, people become fans of, like, teams, yeah, then you're less tied to, like... Oh, like, I love, like, Shalane, but, like, what if Shalane retires? Like, what am
1: I going to care about after that? Yeah, well, a really good, strong example for that is, like, to see where cycling is and then to see where running is. Because that's a similar kind of, like, individual endurance sport. And in Europe, like, cycling is, like, the sport of gods for a lot of people. And that comes down to people rooting for teams who they also root for their, like, superstar on that team. But it's, like, an individual, it's, like, an endurance sport That has that team component and, like, a lot more funding and money in it than running does, which is kind of – it's kind of interesting.
0: That being said, I will still literally never understand how the Tour de France works. (laughs) Yeah, I
1: never will either. I've had to explain to you so (laughs) many times, and I was like, well, there's stages,
0: and, like, it's the total time, but, like, there's the sprint stages, and some people are better at those. You get to the top top of the mountain. Mm. And if there's a breakaway, but then, like, sometimes they just, like, all – go together, if it's, like, late enough in the and stage. If you turn your shirt and,
1: inside out and are this third person to do so, yeah. you get extra points.
0: And there's, like, a whole bunch of people in the race that, like, just don't matter, and if, like, someone's who does matter's bike breaks, they just give them their bike, like, it's very, it's a very
1: confusing sport for <laughs> <that people laughs> aren't fans of it. But cool to watch, I yeah. guess. we just need to make running more confusing. You don't know who wins when you see people cross the finish line, that's the...
0: Well, so that's one thing I want to talk to you about, though, is that, like, Ultra, I was actually just talking about this before we were on the air with someone else, like, I feel like running itself, like track and like everything is the, like this weird cult sport that like people follow, we care about, but like no one outside, like our world knows the narratives of it, or like the stars or anything. Ultra running, I feel like is this weird microcosm within that of like, I feel like it's so much, it's always so much bigger and more popular than I know about. Mm-hmm. And like, so like walk us through like what, like if you're like introducing someone, like someone's like, I want to become a fan of ultra running. Like, what are the races you have to know? What are the people you have to know? Like, we said Jim Walmsley, but, like, that's literally the only ultra runner I can name besides, uh, what's his name? Tim Tollison. that's. There we go. Nice. Tim
1: no He's hot, though. Okay, right. that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. That's a great reason to know someone, you know? Yeah. If you're going to follow someone on Instagram, you might as well be hot. But we don't, of course, judge by appearance, but, you know. Um, <laughs> so, for ultra running, it's a really, it's... It, As per anything, it's complicated, right? Certain people are attracted to different things. There's sort of, uh, there's like road ultras there. Like, and I'm, this is the general categories, I guess. They aren't really ever defined simply as categories like this, but you can sort of think of it like this. There's like road ultras. You can have like Commodores, um, which is in South Africa. It's like the longest ultra, the first ultra marathon. Um, it's a huge race, super popular Um, there's a lot of like quirks to all of these different races and race types. That one is they switch the starting line each year. So one year you literally run the entire race uphill or the majority of the race uphill. It's a net game. If you're on an odd year, then you run the majority of the race downhill. Um, there's a lot of, you know, flat like 24 hour races, 12 hour races where people are trying to run as fast as, as far as they can in that amount of time. There's also um, like, mountain ultras. Um, I guess before we get to mountain, I'd say trail ultras are slightly different. There's a lot of, like, trail ultras that have, uh, you know, maybe a thousand, three thousand foot of elevation gain, 5,000 feet of elevation gain, and 50 miles. Um, there's mountain ultras, which are, like, a bit nasty, and sky running is sort of a subsection of that, where it's really focused on you know long, sustained climbs. UTMB is sort of regarded as the worldwide like Olympics of ultra running, um, and that is really like a mountain race. Where you know I was doing CCC, which was one of the hundred k races there, and I had I think five climbs of over three thousand feet. Uh, I was you know sixty three miles. It took me thirteen hours. It like you go through like crazy mountain passes over ten, almost to ten thousand feet, um, in these really beautiful mountain towns, going running around Mont Blanc. And then you have FKTs, which is like, the sphere that I'm probably been the most in, which is a pretty new concept, basically based on the idea that you don't really need a race to set a standard, um, and they're really accessible to anyone. The general idea for FKTs is find a trail route or distance and be the fastest person to cover that over a certain period of time it's almost like Strava like the Strava like mini segments Strava <laughs> to the max yeah, yeah. but uh, but like on steroids so like I have the FKT on the Pacific Crest Trail which is running the distance from the southern southern tip to the northern tip of the Pacific Crest Trail in however many days on the Appalachian Trail um which is from Georgia to Maine in 40 uh, five days. I have the FKT on the Wicklow round, which is in Ireland, which is 26 different peaks in Ireland that you actually use orienteering and kind of route finding to connect these 26 different peaks to run it as fast as you can. And you're running through bogs through occasional small town, occasional trails. But a lot of it is just like backcountry, flat, like bog running, marsh running kind of stuff. So you can get real creative. And I think that's some of the draw to all this stuff, right? Like it's a lot, it's a lot more out of the box and creative than some of the track races. So people really can, can, you know, allow their creativity and personality to shine through races like this.
0: Yeah. I feel like that I've, my very minimal knowledge of like ultra running is like the, like knowing about the race is such a big part of it. Like, you know, it's like a marathon. It's like, okay, you might have thoughts on like Boston versus Chicago. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, what's faster, like, what's the hard parts of it, but, like, it's still, like, a marathon. Like, obviously, track races, it's, like, literally, do- like, doesn't really matter, like, where you run, uh, 800, unless it's at Monaco, and then it's, like, it's gonna be five <laughs> seconds faster, but, um... That's but, yeah, like, story. the, the, like, knowing what the race is, is, like, such a part of it. It's, like, you're not even... Like, it's like, obviously there's the competition element of it, but like, ultimately it's like, can you tackle this like thing? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I don't think this is an actual thing, but I think someone did a, uh, computer software one time of they connected every pub in Ireland, <laughs> they did like the shortest known route for like, I was like the world's longest pub crawl. So if you want to do the FKT, i You, could be Matt, me. you that could do be that me. next
1: summer. And but, you have to drink a beer at each one is one of the stipulations.
0: Yeah. So you wouldn't lose nearly as much weight as you would normally.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. All permanent calories coming in. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um but yeah so there's so that's all right i guess that's like a good basics of ultra running
1: what are right, so what is western states so western states is the self-proclaimed not self-proclaimed uh sort of agreed upon hundred mile championships of the u.s um what's great about ultra running is like organizations north Face has started races um like uh USATF has tried to have ultra running championships, but ultimately like the races are the ones that really have the personality and dictate people going to them. So Western States originally was a hundred mile horse race that one year, this guy decided I'm going to run this thing. Horses Mine are
0: expensive. <laughs> I mean,
1: come on, you know, <laughs> like I can't do this. So he decided he was going to try to run this race, which they had a 24 hour cutoff for horses. He was going to run it. And, Uh, Gordon Amesley. And he did, uh, he beat it by, it was like 10 or something minutes. So it was like down to the wire. And that started the modern phenomenon that is known as Western States, which Mm -hmm. is this race that is the, probably is the most prestigious American race to get into. Um, really talented. There's been some really Epic races that have gone down there. Um, it's a hundred miles. It goes through Squaw Valley there's a ton of nasty vertical. It gets hot every year. You know, we're talking like 90s, sometimes 100s in the valleys. Um, you know, so many really talented, incredible runners have been there. And what's the, some of the modern appeal that has been drawn to it is, is this guy, Jim Walmsley, who we've talked about a little bit, who's made it his mission for the past four years to set the course record on the Western States course which was, uh, I don't remember the exact time, but I believe it was low 15s. Um, Was the record after he ran like 14-something? He did, Yeah, yeah, he kicked ass. So he has either, Jim Walmsley either blows up and totally dies at Western States, going out in this absurd pace that no one else in the race can ever keep up with, or he, and then he either finishes or he then dies and there was one example where he, uh, a few years ago, he was on pace to crush the course record, took a wrong turn with a mile to go, and then just collapsed from fatigue and like ended up fishing, like four hours later, walking it in. <laughs> Not yeah, even I think I remember that right. Who's at like ninety four?
0: Yeah, exactly. He, was so close. he took just yeah. took a
1: wrong. Even this year, he he was like well on the way to beat the record, and I think. There's some story about, like, a bear. There's a bear, yeah. There's a bear on the course. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Things you don't have to worry about during cross country. Um, Yeah, it's... So, wait, what's... So, what's that one where there's, like, the crazy guy who does it?
1: The Barkley Marathon. The (laughs) Barkley. Yeah, so that's nasty, right? That's another crazy race. So, there's a race in um, Tennessee that's literally designed to be as miserable as possible. The race director decided, however long ago, that he literally just wanted to, like, fuck with he was like, "I'm gonna design a race." I don't think he had this. He did He does. There's an amazing documentary on Netflix too, which you should watch. Um, just titled the Barkley Marathon, and he just like really tries to mess with your head. The race is supposed to be a hundred mile race. It's supposed to be five loops of twenty miles. It takes people around ten to thirteen hours to finish a loop. And these are like the top tier guys are taking ten to thirteen hours to finish twenty miles. Mm-hmm is like two miles an hour so there's a there's no way you also aren't allowed to use gps you have to use hand maps that he doesn't give you until the day of the race and he changes the route each year through backcountry through tennessee backcountry so you're literally just finding a course there's some of the things are the same the way that he knows that you're going through the course because there's nobody out there to help you you're literally running by yourself for 10 12 hours before you finish the loop he hides books in stashes under rocks next to trees that you have to find, rip the page number that matches your corresponding bib, and then go to the next one find... So you literally do this. He puts you through this crazy, crazy shit. People come through. There's like brush, brush and briar you have to go through. People are all cut up on their legs. It takes... The cutoff is 60 hours. I'm amazed he's never killed someone. Me
0: too. <laughs> oh you just like you'd think like at some point like they'd be like you're basically like a cult leader and like we need to the feds need to get in
1: here and like shut you down. But. It's so culty like if you have run it more if you're running it for your first time he makes your race entry fee is a buck 60. He also hand selects everyone who enters. It's a buck 60 and a license plate if it's your second time or more racing there, he decides whatever material of clothing or item you need to bring that benefits him. One year it's white t-shirts, the next year it's socks and you're required to bring that as your race fee.
0: (laughs) Oh man. I can, that's like, I feel like runners in general are an idiosyncratic bunch, but that's like, I think that's like a level of, I feel like that's, also one of the unique things about ultra running which is that like everyone's like yeah we're like we're crazy we're all crazy <laughs> um we're trying we're in a competition to see who can be the most crazy yeah people
1: always <laughs> love there, and there's a lot of weird characters in ultra running you know it attracts a lot of different kind of people yeah which is,
0: well i feel like born to run sort of like introduced people to like the concept and like yeah scott jurek or whatever his name was and like, yeah um, are there so are there other like aside from like Jim Walmsley like are there other names we should know people we should like the studs of the
1: ultra world
0: or For are sure. they, all, they vary too much
1: to yeah them? they vary based on distance and type of race but a yeah, name that you'll find plastered everywhere is this guy Killian Jornet and he's a Spaniard who is just like destroyed he does it's amazing his background he started as like a, a like a schemo guy so doing like long distance like cross-country skiing races and he just is he's a great person but he also he sort of reminds me of like the kind of people who are like the Alex Honnold's of the world he's like the ultra running equivalent of Alex Honnold he's assented ever he's the only person who's ascended Everest twice in one week um He's set the record on the Matterhorn, which was one of the longest FKTs in the world and one that people thought would never be broken. Um, And it's crazy to watch. Like, he's literally climbing and doing mildly technical rock climbing while running up the Matterhorn. God. (laughs) Going off on incredibly skinny, like, knife edges on the top to reach the actual peak and running across this stuff, right? He's not, like, walking or, like tight tight tightrope walking a lot of this stuff he's like running across you know maybe he has like a foot wide of of rock to be running on and he's just cruising and he's done all these amazing races um another big one is the uh, bob graham round in the uk so he's just really sort of lit things up and is also like a very humble approachable kind of person which is cool so he's the, the ultra-Eliud? Yeah, he is. He is, he is the ultra-Eliud, basically. There's a few other uh, interesting figures. Um, Heather Anderson is one who I admire a lot, who maybe you might... People probably wouldn't know as well, but she's kind of the person who set the standard for, like, self-supported FKT attempts on the Pacific Crest Trail, on the mm-hmm. Appalachian Trail, and uh, really is, like, an impressive, really impressive athlete. So one of the
0: things... So. You did the Appalachian Trail, what was that last summer at this point? Last, last summer, yeah. Summer. Time flies. Yeah. <laughs> and so, unlike the Pacific Crest Trail,
1: you did that one,
0: what, unassisted it's called, right?
1: Yeah, I did yeah. that, like, supported. So I did that assistant on the Pacific Crest Trail. And but, then the ATU did on your own.
0: Exactly. Assisted. So, like, I, I'm a person who, like, thrives on human <laughs> contact. Like, how do you... Like, how long would you go in between, like, seeing another person and, like, literally how do you stay sane doing that?
1: <laughs> I didn't listen to music because my battery would die. I only really much came across people who were also hiking and, and, uh, and enjoying themselves out on the trail. Um, I would see anywhere from, like, five maybe to 50 people a day. So it was pretty crazy because I was so solitary. Like, it was, it was just me in the woods for a lot of the time and it was kind of uh, it was weird and very different from the pacific crest trail because that was essentially like a road trip with my four best buds or three mm-hmm. best buds and you know at the end of the day they might have a beer waiting for me or like fresh cooked bacon and all these other things um at the end of the day on the appalachian trail i'd be you know by myself loose grabbing chips come on hello hey guys what's up
0: <laughs> we talked about the Jojo's. On How about the, the Jojo's? Oh, the we pumpkin eat some Jojo's. Ones. Have you tried them yet? Did
1: you yeah. ask him what his favorite Jojo is of all the Jojo's? No. The, you, do you have a favorite? Fourth one from the left.
0: <laughs>
1: I don't get it. No, I'm kidding. It's, yeah, a, it's a a like in that specific yeah, box, no, I, if you okay. hook me up it's with like some Jojo's, I would be yeah. glad to take it. Yeah. yeah. I have yeah. tried them. They're delicious. Okay. I like the chocolate ones with the orange filling, though. The other festive. the so just the
0: Halloween version of Yeah, the
1: Jojo's. Yeah. We're, getting, we're
0: having a very educational podcast. We are. I'm, learning, yeah. I'm actually learning a lot about, learning ultra about ultra running. Ultra running. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know anything about it. I can't wait to listen to it. it be fun. You have to leave now. JK, you can stay if you want, but nah. we're going to keep talking about ultras. I'd rather drink beer, but <laughs> <laughs> enjoy, enjoy yourselves. See yeah. Um So, yeah, like, how, like, how do you... I guess I mean, I guess it's like impre- it's impressive. Like, <laughs>
1: did you did you feel it's like, like a psychological experience? Yeah. Have you been to that.
0: therapy about like
1: that? You know what's funny? I had I had legit PTSD from the Pacific Crest Trail. I have not had the same thing from the Appalachian Trail. I'd like wake up. In well, the middle, did, you didn't get lost at the Appalachian Trail. It's true. <laughs> I had a few traumatic experiences on the Pacific Crest Trail. So for anyone listening, basically what happened, if you don't watch the documentary, is there are two times where I got lost for, like over two days, where I just essentially missed my crew, and they had all the support with sleeping bags, water, food, jacket, you know, all these things. I pretty much just had shorts, t-shirt, and some snacks, and had to sleep out in the woods for, for two to three nights depending on the experience and I'd literally wake up in the middle of the night like having all that come back to me and I'd I could literally pinpoint where I was on a map like I'd have a visual map in front of me I'd look at it I'd start to realize that I was by myself I'd look up and I couldn't see the stars and then I'd start freaking out because I was just like lost in the middle it was like naked and afraid essentially is what I is what I sort of like emulated thinking about it reflectively so I was going to ask one of the questions I was going to ask is what's the closest
0: you've ever been to dying? <laughs> and like, no, seriously, like, is that like probably like the closest you've ever been to dying on like one
1: of these things? Yeah. I'd say that for sure. Whenever I was, uh, the, there was one night in particular in the Northern Cascades where um, it was pretty, it was pretty nasty where I just was in a really bad spot. Um, also like mildly confused about the area that I was in And I didn't I just had like a T-shirt and shorts and I had to like make bush out of out of blueberry bushes to stay warm for the night. And that whole night I like didn't sleep. I tried to sleep for like five hours or four hours and I woke up every 30 minutes like because I was freezing so much and shivering so much. I woke myself up and couldn't sleep for a lot of it. That's really scary. Yeah, it was pretty scary. I was, yeah, that was definitely
0: traumatizing. (laughs) So going back out to the Appalachian Trail, like, I mean, like literally therapy was, like, how do you, like, how did you,
1: like, reconcile with that mentally? Uh, it wasn't, you know, it was, it was weird because I was in my very own head. I remember when I finished, I was very overwhelmed by the amount of, like, stimulation I had. Like I got, I almost feel like I had a change of, uh, like my personality or not, maybe not my personality, but my kind of day to day interactions with people and kind of what I needed to feel happy or satisfied in the day changed. When I got back, people like I had a bunch of people calling me for interviews. I had friends who wanted to talk. I had Katie who was with me the whole time who cooked me a bunch of amazing, delicious blueberry desserts and other things, and I was so used to just being totally self-reliant and by myself and having a phone that if I actually used it, the battery would die, but I had actual reasons why I was using it for location and for resupplies and other things, so it was a, it was a big change coming back, not something I don't know right now if I'll need therapy for. This is coming back from PCT or the Appalachian, Appalachian Trail? Okay. Yeah, so... I started work like four or five days after finishing because I felt really guilty. Cause I had an unpaid sabbatical for my work mm-hmm. and I was like, I need to get back in the office. And I showed up at work and my manager was like, what the ever you doing? Like go home, like sleep. You finished four days ago. You look like crap. Like I had super sunken eyes. My legs were like swollen. I, had, I think it's called epidemia where you have like, um, like you can literally push into your skin And you get like a centimeter of like decompression from the swelling, and it just stays there. Um, I, I was in a weird place after finishing. So would you say that like
0: the Appalachian Trail took more out of you than like the Pacific Crest Trail, or just like different?
1: I'd say it was. I'd say the Pacific Crest Trail was mental. The Appalachian Trail, I. Expected a faster recovery time for myself than I than I actually had.
0: Ugh. I like, see, I'm like, I listen <laughs> to podcasts before I go to sleep because I can't have, like, that much silence. Yeah, what the like, I'm things? not
1: good about, like, I... People freak out that I never listen to music, which, and, like, when I run. Do you listen to music when you run? I listen to podcasts. You do? You yeah. do listen to podcasts, yeah. Not regularly. I've One of the things that I've tried to do
0: recently is, like, I... This is like this is a sharing. It episode. is a sharing. Yeah. Time to I've, share. More. I've had a I had an interesting summer, and one of the things that I've tried to do more recently is to like be more consciously like disconnected and more like in tune with like actually like listening to myself rather than like drowning out every thought that I ever have alone. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so like I've been trying to make an effort to do that more recently. Yeah. Um I have like a lot of anxiety, so like it's one thing, like, finding the balance between, like, being, like, what, what is, like, a healthy coping mechanism and what is, like, not addressing the, like, root problems of, yeah. like, what's going on is, like, uh, always an interesting balance. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, that, see, that's the, that to me is, like, by far the most, like, fascinating thing. Like, uh, <laughs> I remember, like, when you got back from the Pacific Crest <laughs> Trail, like, Like, my first like, I think literally my first question for you like, which we don't have to answer on the air is like one. I was like, how often did you masturbate? And the other one was like, uh, like, how do you not go crazy? Like that'll uh, be in the that'll be in the episode notes for that one. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's the epilogue. You have to subscribe. (laughs) You have to subscribe for the (laughs) unlock content. But like, yeah, just the the mental like. I mean, I feel like people are so wowed by the physical feat of running. 50 miles a day, which, like, is incredible, but, like, for, like, I genuinely believe that, like, for me, the harder thing would be, like, being on my own and alone for that
1: extended period of time. Well, it's a total, like, paradigm shift, right, because people are ultimately, like, very social, and I really, I I tried to do the best that I could to t- still get some of that human contact. Like, if I passed anyone, I'd, like, always make sure I talked to them, so I always had a conversation um, with people whenever I could. And I just expense that as like, this is my opportunity to socialize for the day. Um, but also when you're in, when you're in that mindset, it's very black and white, which is the hardest thing I think for people to, that, to like resonate with you, um, or to really understand when you're going after a goal like that, you have like this very black and white mindset where there are two, anything I'm doing, right. Whether that's eating food, whether that's, um, you know, how I'm packing my tent, whether that's, taking an extra 10 minutes to rest, everything I'm doing is either gonna make me run and finish this damn trail faster or slower. So I'm either gonna be helping myself out or I'm gonna be slowing myself down. Um, And if My daily goal essentially was to make the decision, make every decision that I could, that would help make me run faster. Whether that's taking an hour to put your legs up to let them drain a fluid eating an extra 2000 calories when you don't really want to, to make sure that you have the food that you have connecting and talking with, um, your girlfriend who's, you know, states away, who's wondering how you're doing, um, stopping, having a conversation with, you know, a local person at a, at a restaurant, ask them how they're doing and talking about their feelings and, um, what you're doing, you know, all these different things, holding a certain type of pace, Um, Deciding whether this injury that I currently have is worth stopping for, jumping in a river to ice or something that I should push on and just go for. Should I sleep five hours or six hours? All those decisions you can sort of sparse out and pry out to decide, hey, this is going to be something that's going to make me run faster or slower. And when you finish, like that's that's the messed up part that you have to cope with because your body has made itself do that for 45 days and now all of a sudden this like life framework that you've sort of developed over with yourself for a month and a half is gone because it doesn't really matter anymore because you're not trying to reach this overarching life goal right you don't have that same so direction what's <laughs> the point of binging an entire season of the office yeah exactly right <laughs> is this going to make me run faster or slower and then you're like oh it doesn't even matter
0: well it's so interesting because like i feel like that's that's the most extreme example of like i think like like, bringing it back to, like, sort of, like, God, this is such a, like, this is such a fucking sincere (laughs) podcast. But, like, I did not bring you in here with the intention that, like, this was going to be the conversation that we had. And now it's, like, very interesting to me that that's what this is. But, uh, like, I, you know, it's, like, I feel like that's a lot of, like, what we've all, like, as, like, distance runners has been through of, like, one of the, you know, sort of, like, manifestations of, like, an unhealthy relationship with distance running is, like, that you start to get in that mindset of, mm-hmm. like, everything is a calculus of, like, I've, I have to think all the time of, like, what's going to make me faster, what's going to make me slower. Yeah. And, like, yeah, it's interesting to be, like, and I think, like, even if you want to go, like, super, like, big picture with it, it's, like, like, what's fulfilling in life? Like, yeah. what is the useful, like, I think, I, I think about that all the time of, like, just, like, you know like what is the balance of like how much do I want to care about running versus care about my job versus yeah. care about my friends versus care about relationships like yeah <laughs> it's like to be that calculating with everything it's like effective
1: to a certain extent and then ultimately becomes like it can shoot the top the foot and there's so many yeah. people who I feel like we both know who like have gone overboard you know making it so much of your life that you kind of you know, you at least from the outside, when you look at people like that, you're, you're wonder like, are they really enjoying themselves or is this something that's like consuming them? You know? Yeah. I definitely like,
0: yeah, I feel like the number of times I've been like, Oh, like I hate running so much, but I also love
1: running so much. (laughs) Like it's like like, a good, a good, a good, like hyper focus of that is like, like I'm, I want to drink a beer. Is this beer going to make me run faster or slower tomorrow? and that's like the initial question that you have to choose right and then you have the hard thing with the point we're in we're being post-collegiate runners where it's like we're running because we want to run it's like does it even matter (laughs) yeah like at the end of the day you know a lot of times those minute details have little to no impact on what you're actually doing and oftentimes you know your life goals and what you want don't like. It does. It really just doesn't like. Yeah. Enjoy yourself. Have I, fun. Go for it. I know?
0: think that someone on Twitter said this. Like I don't know, like Kara Goucher or somebody. But like, also like. The, our my friend Sydney always said reminds me of this often where I'll be like oh I have to run ten miles tomorrow but like, you don't have to do anything <laughs> you are choosing to do that tomorrow like which can be a positive thing of like oh I, you know it's like a good I way to run think about it. ten yeah, miles tomorrow you know I'm doing this because I care about this because this is important to me but like also an, an important to be like hey like. This is, no one is forcing you to do this. Yeah, it's if you're going to do this, you should want to do it. Take control like, of your life. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely uh, interesting and weird how that happens. Yeah. <laughs> like, and obviously, like, being literally out there with that singular focus, like, yeah, like so having that carry over and then coming back into, like, a world. Did you, so, did you physically,
1: <laughs> did you talk out loud to yourself? during Uh, yeah I I tried to film a lot of it like self film a lot of it Mm -hmm. and there's definitely some weird crap (laughs) that I took (laughs) good outtakes yeah there's some great outtakes um I one of my like weirdest dumb quirks is that I'm A. I'm terrible with song lyrics B. I love singing and music so um oh this is a good example so literally this is probably consumed at least 50 plus hours of my life, but I'd sing a song like Shorty in the backseat of my rover, and then I'd forget the lyrics. Then I'd be like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11, 12, and 13, 14, 15. and I'd go, I'd like count to like 500, just repeating like the song because I had no idea what the words were because I didn't listen to music or have like a way to search it, so I just like sing that yeah. over to myself, and I had all these dumb. I had, like, a good, like, six songs that I'd, I'd sing um, that I'd just sort of sing to myself. And definitely, I'd talk to myself a little bit, but not, not too much.
0: I, had, I, have a, I do a similar thing sometimes on runs when I'm trying to kill time, which is that uh, you take a song that you know very well, and you try to sing it to yourself from start to finish without, like, messing up. And it's way harder than you think You can, like, the lyrics or yeah. the... Yeah. Like, yeah. like, the lyrics and just, like, getting, like, literally every single... Because, like, you can, like, sing along to a song. Yeah. But if you're trying to recreate, like, the song from scratch, like, even some of your, like, favorite songs of all time, like, remembering, like, every line of, like, every verse in the correct order, in the correct, like,
1: amount is, like, way harder You must have a this. much better memory than I do. Because I, like... I couldn't. I don't know if I could do that. But that's me, a, no. but
0: that's the thing though. Is it's yeah, hard. It is hard. Which is it like, takes time. I'll yeah. take like literally like some of like you know like my top five favorite Taylor songs Swift songs of all time, and then like, Ariana
1: Grande. You know the classics.
0: Yeah. Well, the I do it with Adele songs. Adele. Yeah. That's, I guess like, it, really. Yeah. That's like because they're like songs that I've heard a million times. But yeah. even still, if you try to recreate it on your own and like get every line perfect, it's harder than you think. Yeah. All right, well, uh, before we... I, I did have a game for you. Um, I'm trying to think of any of the other topics that I thought of. Um, do you have a, do you have a uh, race that,
1: like, what's the race that like you haven't done yet that you really want to do next? We've already talked about it. I know, well, it. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to do... Actually, it's two. I'm, like, I've wanted to do Western States for three years, and I keep entering these damn races that all the races that are qualifying races are in California mm-hmm. and I fly out and it's early and I'm not used to the heat and then I bomb and then I don't qualify. I've done that for two years now. So I'd love to get into Western States. Um, the other one that's been like creeping and like itching up on me is actually, we just talked about it too, is Berkeley marathon. So mm-hmm. that is like a, we like in order to, in order to even apply for that race, you have to know someone who's done it, who knows the application process, who can tell you about the application <laughs> process. You have to really get the connections on connections. Like they don't, they don't even list like when the application deadline is due or who to send it to or what the application is. Is there a website even? There's a website that just loosely says like this is there's it's the race that's happening. It's just super sometime. dinky. It's like someone from the '90s was like, "Oh, I want to make a brand new, spanking cool website," and just looks like crap. <laughs> Comic Sans. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like there's only there's no pictures or videos. It's like the old like forum, like let's run, like uh, yeah, like um, what is it called? Let's run. Let's run. Yeah, right. Yeah. Let's yeah. yeah. It's like let's run. Like it just looks like, like very basic. Yeah, not someone taught themselves HTML. Exactly. It does 2000. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, good. I'm sure. I I feel like you know those are good. Those are good goals. And when you take down Jim Walmsley's record, like we'll have it on on recording here. It's <laughs> that true. Eager yeah. for it at the time. Yeah. All right. So the game I have for you before we wrap up is called Where in the World. As in, like, where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? Yeah. Like, so you're a a well-traveled guy. Um, We can sort of, like, take as long or as short, like, we can rapid fire. Like, if you've got stories, like, they can be running-related. Some of them are, like, explicitly running-related, but some of them are, like, not necessarily running-related. So, um, where in the world is the best meal you've ever eaten?
1: Oh. um, Best meal I've ever eaten, and I know I'm supposed to do this super quick, so damn it. Oh, there was, um, I, and I've gotten hooked on it. I've gotten hooked on like hand making my own pasta Rome, it, like Italian pasta making cooking class, uh, near, um, where was it near? Uh, t- 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 it was near the Trevi fountain making pasta on top of this guy's like rooftop. He only used like basic core ingredients I was like, oh, maybe we should include onions in this. He's like, no, Italians don't put onions in their (laughs) pasta. And he only used tomato, um, like fresh fresh, um, prosciutto and uh, flour and egg to make the pasta. And it was an oil and it was just delicious. That sounds really to good. die for with some prosecco.
0: This is I meant to ask this earlier, this isn't part of the game, but what is what's the weirdest thing you've ever
1: eaten in the course of like a race or, or a race? A race? Ooh. You can count like the trails. As- this is for anyone aspiring trail runners, my favorite trick is pickle juice. It's, it's sick. It's like the best thing. You literally feel your body being overcome with electrolytes. So it's like, you're the whole being like, Urgh. so when you do picklebacks now, or you're just yeah, I'm like, like, yeah, let's go. For <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Super good. My, and then the, the, the weirdest drink, I thought you were going to go, what's your weirdest drink you've ever had mm-hmm. or thing you've ever eaten, which is um, fermented horse milk in Kyrgyzstan, which is like an alcoholic drink. That sounds disgusting. disgusting. It's pretty, it's pretty.
0: Did you like enjoy it, or like, I'm gonna try this for the
1: story? See, I had it twice. I had it, well, the first time. So you enjoyed enough to have it a second time. (laughs) Exactly. Well, so I had it in this yurt with this family, and they like presented it as like, try our kumis. The next day, we were on this horse pecking trek, a horse trekking horse trekking trek horseback trek and this random like guy came up he was on horseback this kyrgyz guy and he was like paying respects to the guy who was taking with us and he came up to all of us and handed us this like plastic old like old water like it used to just be like a water bottle cheap like you know 50 cent one and he'd filled it up with his own kumis and had it strapped on his shoulder so we then had lukewarm kumis that was warmed by his body heat Ugh. sitting next to him all day right. which that made me gag a little bit a little bit yeah. Yeah. a little bit yeah <laughs> all right uh, what's the best uh, accommodations you've ever stayed in oh hotel um, airbnb whatever i just stayed at this place it's actually in new york the brooklyn bridge hotel in new york it's like it's so bougie. Really? Yeah, it's super bougie. Everything's, like... Is it, like, ultra eco-friendly? Which side of the bridge is it on? Is it's it on Brooklyn? Brooklyn side, yeah. Oh, it's, yeah. like, you're overlooking the water. Everything's, like, the showers have one of, like, the cascading showerhead things on you. Um, the hotel is, like, like, mood lighting. So you'll feel like you're walking around this, like, half-lit cavern, like... Tavern, sort of. All the wood they have is, like, repurposed wood. It's, like, $350, $400 a night to stay there. I think I would literally hate this. I think you might, but it was, like, it was the bougiest place I've stayed
0: Actually, at. Actually, it's, like, well-lit things is a big thing for me. <laughs> I think if I went in there and it was just dark, I would be so mad. Like, Get me out of here! Yeah. This isn't
1: what I signed up for!
0: Um, what's the... I guess... I guess some some of these... A lot of these can maybe be answered by the time you got lost in the Pacific Crest Trail, so... Yeah. Uh aside from that, uh the most unplugged you've ever been? Either um, on like a runner just like in life like farthest disconnected
1: yeah, um, society. Definitely <laughs> Appalachian Trail because I like I was using my phone and I was shamelessly Instagramming whenever I could, but because I had such limited battery, I like I lit like all I could do was basically post Instagram look up, like, trail times when places would open, distance to the next location, maybe call Katie once every few days if I could. So it was, like, that was very isolating because I just didn't have any, like, electronic, I didn't have any connection to to the internet in any real capacity outside of occasional, like, social media putting post stuff out. Not, yeah, putting stuff gonna, out yeah. but not taking anything in. Because my phone was too slow and, like, dinky, mm-hmm. and the internet connection wasn't good enough to even, like, receive half the things that that might have been coming through like i hope this uploaded (laughs) yeah i that that happened honestly i spent a lot of i probably could have beaten the at record that i set by a few hours had i just like probably more than a few hours had i just not had a phone (laughs) which which is pretty dumb but uh it was what it was you know you gotta do it for literally do Do it it for for the the gram gram. (laughs) literally do it for the gram um the biggest hill you've ever run up the biggest hill i've ever ran up was mount etna this summer where it's the funniest so it's 50k is is that that's in utmb no that's Mm -hmm. in uh in italy in sicily uh mount etna oh yeah, Yeah, yeah 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 mount etna and so i did this race the race literally is run up mount etna and then run down mount etna so you run 28 kilometers up mount etna and then you run 23 kilometers down mount etna so there's no downhills for 28 kilometers (laughs) and I just—I'm <laughs> even thinking like, yeah. I mean, as horrible as the climb would be, like your quads after the twenty-three. Oh, the downhill descent. was so yeah. <laughs> I felt yeah. I vomited a bit during that race. I struggled for sure. Oh, I don't blame you. Um, hottest race you've ever run? Hottest race uh, Pacific Crest Trail, where it got into the nineties. Um, maybe it, it was definitely hotter on the Pacific Crest Trail, but I was more appropriately equipped for that. On the Appalachian Trail, I got rhabdo with some of the super hot, humid days in mm. North Carolina, which was nasty. If you don't know what rhabdo is, then look it up. It's, it's gross. gross. Yeah. <laughs> coldest? Coldest. These don't have to be ultra runs. They could be. No, they don't have to be. These yeah, are They races. could be yeah. You never know, man. It gets cold yeah. in New England. Oh, this is just a fun... This isn't the coldest one I've ever done, but the one that I'll share was in uh, Junior Olympics in fourth grade in Rhode Island it had snowed, I think like 10 inches the day before. Mm-hmm. And so all, I think I raced Lewis. Oh, I really? think I raced Lou. Fourth grade? I raced Lou in like
0: fourth or oh fifth grade God. or something.
1: And so we have, we went through and like went through the results and like, I think he beat me by mm-hmm. a bit, but, um, but yeah, I raced Lou in like fourth or fifth grade. And I remember someone had gotten spiked at the starting line. Cause it was like this dense snow. And especially at the start, it was, like, this huge snow field. That, so it was really uneven. It wasn't, like, well-packed because it was fresh snow. And I remember seeing blood in on um, some oh of the snow God. because people had gotten spiked. Yeah. And I remember as, like, a fifth grader, I remember being like, oh, my God. This That's is the craziest race you could ever run.
0: Um. Let's see.
1: Uh, best post-race party? Post-race party would have been um, the – definitely in college – uh there were a a lot of great post-race parties our favorite tradition was popping champagne in the men's shower after the last race of the season four years in a row best best party um, of a bunch of dudes popping champagne that's good (laughs) you can't go wrong I think we've we've done shower beers in the
0: showers you did but never champagne that's yeah that was the big yeah was the thing to do (laughs) Talk about bougie, right? (laughs) All right. Well, to wrap us all up, uh, we do our big three questions. Uh, Send three questions, every guest, every episode. Um, The first one is your Instagram crush. It doesn't have to be a person. It doesn't have to be like a literal crush, but just like something you're into on Mm -hmm.
1: Instagram, social media right now. Um, I've been checking out uh, particularly... It's called, it's Anish Hikes. So it's Heather Anderson, who I was talking about earlier. She's currently trying to hike all three, like, U.S. long trails in a calendar year, which is the Continental Divide Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail, and the Appalachian Trail. And she's at, like, 6,000 miles or something. I made that number up. But she's done a crap ton of miles this year. And so it's super fun seeing updates, uh, seeing updates from her.
0: Cool. Um, I, mine, uh... I was going to say, so Jake Whiteman, who won the uh, fifth half mile. Yeah. It's like a cutie. Another cutie. You just love following Instagram cuties. I do. Instagram cuties. You love cuties. Cute, fast pro boys. That's my, uh, that's my type. You for um, sure have speed goggles. Oh yeah, I definitely do. We can address that in a future episode. (laughs) But I was also going to say, this isn't an Instagram one, but on Twitter, there is a... (laughs) Betsy DeVos parody account called no Bestie way. DeVos. <laughs> it's just like the s and the t switch, and it's like pretty ridiculous and funny. Highly recommend. Right, um, Bestie DeVos. Uh, your go-to karaoke song. Um, Someone hands you
1: the mic. Yeah, you build sing? me a buttercup every time. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, it's that's fun. a classic. Especially because I, I'm like, well, actually, when I use my now my falsetto is not quite as good, <laughs> so now my voice cracks whenever I really go for the big build me up, but. um... That for sure. That's a crowd
0: pleaser too. So like people sing along. I always say like it's a classic. The the keto good karaoke song is if other people sing along too and dry out your bad singing. That's like <laughs> doesn't the, matter how good you are. Yeah. other People are there. Um, I was gonna say uh, any of the songs off of the new share album cover
1: album. They're all great. They're all amazing. Yeah. Um, you can go to town. You can do the whole the whole. Why don't you just say the whole album? The whole album. You just yeah, sing I'm the whole. So album. Take the
0: mic, guys. This is what we're doing. The next all seventy Cher minutes versions. are dedicated. I'm doing it in my share voice. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then your death row meal, you're going to the chair one last meal before you die. What are you having? I was
1: thinking about this one. I, it was, it's on that same bougie trip to New York that I went on. I was solo riding solo, like in this really like kind of upscale Brooklyn joint. And I was just like, well, it's at a tapas place, which is meant to share with people, but I'm by myself. So I'll just like have a good time, whatever I ordered. Bacon-wrapped dates and goat cheese coquetas. That sounds amazing. Oh, I love dates. Dates are an underrated They're so food. very yeah. underrated. Very underrated. So that that would be my go-to. What about I like yourself? That. I was just thinking, like, I love baked potatoes. And you better like, not say a baked potato for your last food.
0: Well, I, uh, I do this every episode. So the last I food. I, my real answer would be, like, a like big old, like, T-bone steak and ba- a baked and potato. A but I love, like a big-ass baked potato where you just put, like, a ton of butter, a ton of cheese. Yeah. Like, you put the butter on and then you eat the middle and you put the butter on again to eat the skin. Like, you
1: need more butter. More yeah, butter than more America. butter, more cheese. I had
0: guac on a baked potato recently. Really? That's, That's good. good. It's Appreciate really it. good. Um, so, yeah, baked potatoes are, like, just, it's a good hearty
1: meal. I need yeah. to invest because I haven't done that in a while. And avocados and baked potatoes. See, but they're weird to buy. Every time I, I you have, have avocados that are red tonight, so I'm you having do. that do dinner. That's your, t- that better not be yeah. a dinner. Is this avocado gonna make me faster or slower? Does it even matter? <laughs> I'm
0: having it as part of a larger meal. You
1: oh, have salt or toast? No, no. Well, so <laughs> that, yes and that no. was a
0: dig. So <laughs> um, no. So what I do a lot of the time is I'll take uh, I take chicken and like I'll like just like saute some chicken and then I'll put uh, I'll like mash avocado on naan mm. um, and then like put the chicken and then put like. Um, like sometimes green, sometimes if I feel fat, just like cheese, yeah. um, and uh, just like have avocado chicken on naan, which like basically is avocado toast with like a couple naan's extra good, steps. Though, man, yeah. Naan's, well, it's like naan is like the perfect size for like a personal meal, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, so that's my
1: that's my future dinner tonight and you know also that was my death row meal too like is that it, what you it, do yeah. whenever you ask people that question you just say whatever you're going to eat that night it's like an easy no i wish you don't have be, to like, it that would be it's like it's
0: usually like a, I usually do is like whatever i'm craving like mm-hmm. at that time like the, like just jelly beans has like definitely been an answer for like multiple death row meals in the past but um yeah it's a you know I just, you got to commit to whatever you're feeling in your gut that's um, true well, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, man. This was, like, this is very introspective.
1: Yeah. Uh, very I think it has been a very introspective podcast. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we educated
0: the uh, the people on ultras think, a little bit. I don't think, I think, I think the they're too far gone.
1: Too far gone to learn.
0: I, you know, I think you you can spread the gospel. You're a charismatic guy. Oh, man. All right, well, thank you, dude. This is I'm so glad we finally got to make this happen. We this did is it. It's a good one. Uh, until next time. Deuces. This has been Run Your Mouth. Follow me at the string bean. Yeah, at the string dot I'll put that in the intro.
1: So. Oh, nice. Cool.